face of the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in the house of God today. Amen. God is good. All the time. All the time. All the time. God is good. Amen. I'm going to have us sing one more song out of the hymn book. The Lord just impressed me on with it about, oh, about, I don't know exactly how long ago it's been now, but it was before prayer time. It's on page 180. It's called The Way of the Cross Leads Home. And it fits in right with my sermon today. I think that's neat the way God works, how he combines things the way they need to be put together so they reinforce one another. Page 180. I must needs go home by the way of the cross. There's no other way but this. I shall ne'er get sight of the gates of light if the way of the cross I miss. The way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward go. The way of the cross leads home. I must needs go on in the blood-sprinkled way. The path that the Savior trod. If I ever climb to the heights of life, where the soul is at home with God, the way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward go. The way of the cross leads home. Then I bid farewell to the way of the world to walk in evermore. For my Lord says, Come, and I seek my home where he waits at the open door. The way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward go. The way of the cross leads home. Amen. You may be seated. <coughs> Hallelujah. At this time, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper together. And the only requirement is, is that not that you're not a visitor, or you are a visitor, but it's that you know Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior. Yes. So, Brother Marvin, would you come, and Pastor Laura, would you come and hand out the sacraments today? So, Brother Arthur, you're more than welcome to partake.
said it on there, and I'll take it up there. Paul was writing to the Corinthian church one day, and he's doing so in part of his letter. He's addressing the Lord's Supper because they were apparently partaking of it in the wrong manner. And so he's trying to correct their behavior in this. And he says this in his word in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. I'm not going to take a long time in dwelling on this, but I want you to understand that, see, Paul was not one of the original apostles, but he became one because the Lord revealed himself to him on the road to Damascus, and he got saved on that, that glorious day. And from that time on, he was serving the Lord instead of fighting against the Lord. And so he says that he received from the Lord that which he's, which I also delivered to you. In other words, all the instructions that he had given to him, he got straight from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He got a personal tutoring, so to speak. Then it says that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this. In remembrance of me. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus. We thank you that he went to the cross of Calvary in our place. We thank you that he gave his life for ours. We thank you, Lord, that he went through all that pain, that humiliation, that degradation, everything that he suffered. We thank you that he was willing to pay the price so that we could have eternal life in and through him. And so as we partake of this today, Lord, this symbol of the body. We pray, dear God, that you would help us to put into remembrance what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary for us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may partake of the symbol of the body. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Father, we thank you today, God, that Jesus not only gave his body, he gave his blood because there's no remission of sins without the shedding of blood we thank you that he gave his life's blood for us so that we could have eternal life in and through him and father we just thank you lord god that he was willing to allow them to pierce his hands and his feet place that crown of thorns upon his head lord. and god we just praise you for that atoning work that jesus himself did on the cross of calvary in our place and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may partake of the symbol of the Lord.
While she's picking up the cups, I want to take a moment and share with you something that I believe is led of the Lord for me to do so. And I hope nobody gets offended by it. But if they do, take it up with God. Not me, because he's the one that told me to do this. It's out of 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 8. No, 9. I'm sorry. Chapter 9. Verses... 6 through 10. It says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one, as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all Grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Now may, may he who supplies food, seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. The reason I bring that up, and I hope nobody in here thinks, well, all you're asked after is my money. No, we're not after your money. But we are after finances to help take care of the church. In other words, that's not what we're all about. Is the money is not our main goal. Our money is our, not our main uh, concern. But we do have to keep the lights on and the gas going and the phone bill paid up. The insurance of the church paid and so there's all different kinds of things that the church has to do in order to, to function and be the way God wants it to be and so the reason I bring this up is because we need to give as best we can to God now notice it said don't do it out of out of necessity in other words that means compulsion compulsion means don't think you're being forced to do anything because you're not being forced to. But I can tell you this, according to Malachi chapter 3, that if you don't give unto the Lord what belongs to him, that he will put you under his curse. And so we need to be sure that we're honoring God with all of the first increase of our substance. And so we do that on the first Sunday of the month. But anytime you have your that you have your tithe to give, we'll be glad to have it. There's an offering plate at the very back as you're about to leave the church, and you can put your offering in it. And so anyways, we'd be glad to help have your help and support in this if we can possibly at all get it. But like I said, God's our source. This church is going to keep going on even if everybody in it decided to stop giving. And, and that's not going to happen, but I'm just saying, if that happened, God would still provide for this church. Amen. Because he's the, he's the owner of it. This is his house, not ours. And we can say that I'm a member of, of Quero Assembly of God, and that's the truth. But, uh, you know, if we are. But the thing is, we need to understand that it is God's house. Yeah. And anything that is taking place here is going to be under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, 
That being said, I'll go ahead and get into my message this morning. If you would, take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And when you find it, if you would, stand as we honor God at the reading of his word today. Matthew chapter 7. It's just two short verses, 13 and 14. I still hear pages rustling, so I'll give you time to find it. Matthew, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. It says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Father, we thank you for your work today. We thank you, Lord, for sharing with us and giving us light to understand and wisdom to know what it's talking about, to see, God, that it's going to be difficult in this world to serve you, that, Lord, we must do it. According to your word, that if we don't, we'll get left behind in the rapture, and even worse, we'll be going to hell. So, Father, we thank you today, Lord, for just inspiring us today, God to take hold and root of this word that we're about to receive and receive it into our hearts and lives that we may act upon it and change us into who you desire us to be, for it has that power and that ability to do so. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. You know, like I said, I'm... Most of you probably wondered when you came in and saw this set of golf clubs up here, what were they doing here? And that is because that's what the Lord gave me as an illustration. You know, let me say before I go any further that it's been about four or five nights ago now. I had a very vivid dream. I mean, black and white, not black and white color, vision and everything. I mean, it was... It was pretty spot on. And after I woke up, most of the time I forget my dream. But this one impressed me so much, and God gave me the interpretation to it. And he led me to this passage of Scripture to explain it to us today. And you know what? Well, while I was, I would, I'd like to go to Giddings and play with a couple of pastors. Well, one pastor and one retired pastor. Isn't one the pastor is, is Pat Hurlitz? I don't know if I've mentioned him before to y'all or not. Then there's Ned Smith, who's the retired pastor. Anyway, I had a dream about us three, me and those two guys. And we had our golf clubs, and we were playing a game of golf. But now the course I didn't recognize. All I knew, it wasn't the Giddings Golf Course. But we were on some golf course playing a game of golf. We got through hole six, and somehow we jumped to hole eight. Well, when we did, and I think it was the ninth hole when we actually realized and remembered, hey, we didn't play hole seven. So we went back to seven and was going to play it. And it was, guess what? It was so narrow. 
I mean, it, in my dream, it looked like maybe from here to here. I mean, that's how, how much of a distance between in the fairway for you to be able to hit the ball. And you in the, the hole itself, though, was straight ahead. With any dog legs or anything like that, it was just straight ahead. And it was about, a, I think, I don't remember if it was a par four or a par five. I just remembered it seemed like a long way away. But anyways, we finally, we went back to play it. Well, of course, we all messed up our drives and everything because we couldn't hit it straight down that little narrow pathway. But what, I was, what I'm trying to say is this, is that the balls had to be hit back into the fairway, which was easy enough to do once you got the right club and once you made the right decision as to where to stand and how to hit the ball. But anyways, my point being is, is that it was a very, very narrow hole. And we had to more or less fight our way to get all the way there. There were, there were water holes on it. There was, what I mean by that is that we had to cross over water to get to the next shot after that. There were sand traps. We had to avoid those because it's very hard to get your ball out of the sand trap once you're in there. So, in other words, there was, there was difficulties along the way. And we had to be able to fight through those things. We had to be able to do what we needed to do in order to get to that hole way down at the end of the hole and then be able to put it into the cup. Well, my point is this today, folks, that in order to do that, in order your driver... Your driver may very well be love, and I hope that it is, actually. Because I want it to be because you love the Lord that you want to live for Him. Because that's the only thing that's really going to get you through this life, is your love for God. And so we need to drive with our love for God as the, as the key ingredient in our walk in the Lord Jesus Christ. So there, that's one of the clubs. But we're also going to have to make some hard and, and difficult decisions. We're going to have to be willing to use another club. I don't want, I guess, four iron this time. We're going we're gonna to say this represents self-denial. You're going to have to deny yourself in order to be able to walk that straight and narrow pathway. The Bible says... To pick up your cross daily and follow me. It's not a one-time thing, folks. It's every day. Now, that doesn't mean I'm getting saved every day. But what it means is that if I am saved, I've got to pick up my cross daily and follow after Jesus. And as I do, he's going to give me the ability to be able to swing this club and deny myself and be able to embrace him above all things and all other people. So there's, there's one of the things that's going to have to happen in order for you to drive that straight and narrow pathway. And so then, or go down that straight and narrow pathway. And then we're going to come to another club. And some of the people today have a hard time with this one. We'll use the five iron. Anyways, they have a difficult time wondering if we can actually do what number five wants us to do. 
and that is forgiveness. You've got to walk in forgiveness, folks. There's no other way. Because the Bible says this. It says, if I do not forgive my trespassers, if I do not forgive those who have done me wrong, then God is not going to forgive me. And so I've got to be willing to forgive those that do me wrong, whether it's inside this church, whether it's outside this church, wherever it might be, and whoever it might be, whomever it might be, I've got to say, I forgive you. You cannot hold on to grudges, folks. Festered grudges make you want to retaliate. Believe me, I know. Been there, done that. And I tell you what, it's not very satisfying, even when you think you got them back for what they did to you. It's not really all that satisfying. Because a lot of times, they might not have even known that they offended you. Did you know that? Sometimes people don't realize that they have offended you. Unless, of course, you tell them. And if you tell them, then they, have, they know that you, they did. And they have a choice to make. They can either forgive you, or they can either apologize to you for it. Or they can just go on their merry way. But you know what? Retaliation and, and vengeance is never the pathway to take. Because it's one of those paths that's out of bounds. And let me tell you something. Whenever you hit the ball out of bounds on the golf course, a lot of times you find what you call the rough. And I mean it is rough. The ball gets buried a lot of times. And you've got to use your best club, your most loftiest club to try and get that ball out of that ditch, out of that ditch or out of that grassy area, wherever it might have landed. Anyways, there's, there's consequences in other words. Well, there's going to be consequences to you if you repay like in, in, in like kind. In other words, if they did something bad to you, if you retaliate and do something bad to them, there's going to be consequences. And you know what? I don't know about you, but I don't like the consequences of God a lot of the times. I want to do what God wants me to do 100% of the time. And that means not doing what he doesn't want me to do. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. In other words, turn it over to God. Let him take care of it. Because all it is is the enemy is coming to attack you. Whether it be Satan or one of, the, one of his imps of hell. Either way, he's coming to attack you and try to steal your joy, try to steal your peace, try to steal your faith, try to drive you down into the ground, so to speak. And we can't let him do that. We've got to fight. We've got to stand strong in Jesus, in his name, in his power, in his strength. The Bible says, finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Not our own. Because we don't have what it takes to fight the enemy and win. We'll get defeated every time. You say, well, you're the pastor. Well, that doesn't mean anything to the devil. He's going to attack me, maybe even more so than you. I don't know. But I do know this, that when he comes against me, I do not have the power to overcome him without the power of of Jesus Christ. Amen. Without him fighting my battle for me. You know, Joyce Meyer has a book out called The Battle Belongs to the Lord. That's what we've got to remember and do is turn it over to God. And just begin to praise God for the answer. Even when you don't see it. 
even when nothing looks like it's going to happen. There's an Old Testament story about a prophet of God who was wanting, wanting it to rain, and he was praying for it to rain. But he told his servant, now you go and you look and see, come back and tell me what you see. Six times the servant went, came back, said, sorry, not a cloud in the sky. And then on that seventh time, he goes and he says, she comes back and says, there's a cloud about the size of a man's fist. And he says, well, then let's go because it's about to start raining. And he goes and tells the king that as well. But you know what? We need to understand that we cannot give up on prayer. That brings me to my next point. We use the pitching wedge here. I'm pitching my prayers up to heaven. <laughs> you know, that's what we need to do, folks. We need to turn <coughs> our cares into prayers. I don't remember who I heard say that, but I thought it was something to keep in mind in case I ever need to. Sounds good to say today. Your, your cares need to be turned into prayers. And let me tell you something, folks. For the longest time, my mom prayed for me, her son, wanting God to move in my life. Because I was so far from God before I got saved, I needed a, a GPS just to find me. I mean, I was so lost. You think about what there are sin-wise sin to do things in the world, I was probably involved, involved in at least 80%. I mean, I was into pornography, I was into drugs and alcohol and sleeping around and you name it pretty much and I was probably doing it or have done it. But anyways, my point being is this, is that we need to be in prayer. And for seven long years, my mother prayed for me and the pastor on occasion would tell her, of her church, would tell her, he's going to come back, he's coming to the Lord. You just keep, keep on believing. Well, about that time, whenever the pastor would tell her that, I would get about seven times worse, she said. So anyways, there's going to be difficulty in your prayer time. There's going to be delays in your prayer time. There's going to be Times when you think that the only thing you're doing is getting your prayer up to the ceiling and then bouncing right back at you. In other words, and then I include myself in this. You're a pastor. It doesn't matter. I'm a human being just like the rest of you. And I suffer the same maladies that y'all do. There have been times when I felt like the only place my, my prayer went was about as high as the ceiling and bounced right back to me. Well, you've got to keep praying and believing. No matter what it looks like. No matter what it takes. Just keep on believing. Keep on, keep on, keep on. Don't stop. Don't quit. Because if it's God's will, it's going to happen. I believe that's why we continue to pray for Sister Karen's cancer. Is because I believe God's going to heal. If I didn't, I'd be wasting my time and God's. But if I, since I do believe that, I believe we're going to see it come to pass. He's already taken her out of the dialysis. He's already taken the blood infection away. 
He's working in her life and in her body to do what he's going to do. And so what I'm saying to you is this. There's going to be trials. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be problems. But don't let any of that sway you. Don't let any of that keep you from pressing in and pressing on to heaven with your prayers. Turn your cares into prayers. That's what I'm trying to get across this morning. That's one of the things. I've covered forgiveness. Oh, one more at least. I'll use my eight iron for this one. Repentance. That's a dirty word to some people. They don't like being under conviction of their sin. Matter of fact, when I was running from God, my mom would start trying to witness to me in the living room or in my bedroom or wherever we were in the house. And I'd get up, and well, first of all, I'd say, Mom, save your breath. I don't want to hear it. Well, she wouldn't stop. I'd get up, and I'd walk out of the room. Guess what? Oh, I went into the next room. Same thing. I finally went outside thinking she would stop now. No, she still followed me. I would actually have to get in my car and drive off in order to get away from her. But you see, I really wasn't trying to get away from her. What I was trying to do was get away from the conviction. Because I didn't realize that's what was going on with me. But I didn't want to feel that conviction because it makes you feel terrible. It makes you feel condemned. But you know what? The Bible says this. It's not condemnation because those who are in Christ Jesus, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So it's not really condemnation, it's conviction. And when that happens, if you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, or even if you're not, you need to give your heart to Jesus at that moment in time. Or you need to repent of what your sin is. Because God's not going to ask you to repent without having, without giving you an idea of what it is you've done wrong. He's not going to expect you to repent of something you don't know that you did. But anyways, if you, what you need to do is you need to get into the Bible and read it, and study it, and as you do, ask the Holy Spirit to teach you the Word of God, and when He does, you begin to understand what God's will is, and you begin to understand what it is you should do as a Christian, and what you shouldn't do as a Christian. You know, I think I'm going to go ahead and tell this anyway, it happened a long time ago, so it was right after I first got back with God. And what happened was, I was at Bible college. Well, on Friday nights, I'd leave work, and I'd go out to Carrollton. And I would get with some, my cousin of mine and a friend of mine, his and ours, and we would go to the bar. Well, not a bar bar. It would be a restaurant slash bar kind of thing. Anyways, and so, and I would always get Diet Coke or Diet Dr. Pepper or something. But this one particular reason, I'll never understand why, and I have been trying to win that friend to the Lord. I've been trying for at least a month to six weeks, it seemed like at that time. 
Every time I would see him, I would tell him about Jesus, and I'd ask him if he wants to accept Christ. No, not this time. Anyways, about six weeks into that, for whatever reason, I decided I'm going to get a beer. So I did. And I drank that beer. And my on, actually I didn't, didn't even drink more than one sip of that beer, should I say. Because on that first sip, that friend looked at me straight in the eye and he says, Now don't you ever tell me about your Jesus again. And I tell you what, I regretted that to this day. Because I don't know if that man ever came to know Christ. But I do know this. If you go to a place that you used to frequent when you were a sinner, there's a good chance you're going to fall back into your old patterns. So don't make a plan on doing things like that. From then on, I didn't go with them. But you know what? That was conviction, and that brought me into repentance. And repentance came from prayer. And prayer came through the forgiveness, and through the forgiveness came from the, the driving of love. So, you see, all of these things are connected, folks. They have their own place, and they all lead you in the straight and narrow pathway. They keep you going the right direction. And so what we need to do is, and understand is this, folks, that we've got to live I'm running out of clubs. Seven. Seven iron. We've got to live a holy life. A holy life. One that's set apart for God and Him alone. We've got to walk in the pathway of righteousness as well. We'll say this doubles as righteousness as well. Holiness and righteousness. Anyways, we need to be willing to, to set aside our own desires and follow after the Lord. Chase God if you have to. Chase Him. Run Him down. Because He'll always, He'll stop. Matter of fact, He'll meet you more than halfway coming to Him. Because, you know, the Bible says in the prodigal son illustration of the parable there, it says that while he was away, he came to himself. In other words, he smartened up. He wised up. He realized he would be better off back in the father's house. And so he made that decision. He said to himself, I'll go home and I'll tell dad that I was wrong. I'll tell dad that I don't even deserve to be called your son anymore. I'll be like one of your hired servants if need be. But the father loved him so much that when he was still a great way off, the father ran to him, met him. Fell down on him, kissed him. And he said, when he started his spiel about what he was going to say to his dad, he cut him short. He said, bring the fatted calf, bring the, the ring, bring the sandals, bring the fatted calf. My son was dead, but is now alive again. You know, that's what we need to do, though. We need to live holy and righteous lives. We've got to be set apart from the things of this world. 
This world is going to do everything it can to destroy you. This world is going to do everything it can to keep you from following after Jesus. This world is going to do everything it can, including maybe even talking to you about, well, who will you accept in this church and who won't? I'll accept anybody. Because it doesn't matter who they are, what they are. doesn't matter the race of their color of their skin. It doesn't matter if they're poor or rich. It doesn't matter any of that stuff. Because everybody, everybody needs Jesus. Amen. And so I'm going to tell you today, folks, if a lesbian or a gay person walked into this store, this house, I'd welcome them with open arms. I'd shake their hand. I'd hug their neck if they'd let me. But now I'm not going to tolerate their immoral behavior in the house of God. In other words, I'm not going to be letting them put their arms around each other and giving, giving each other kisses and stuff like that. That's not going to happen. What I'm just saying is, is that as far as them as an individual goes, they're welcome in the house of the Lord. And so I'll accept whoever God sends me. Because they need the word. It's through the word that their life is going to be touched. It's through the word that their life is going to be changed. It's through the word that they're going to be saved. That's why Paul said, I came to you not knowing anything except Christ and him crucified. You know, different denominations get hung up on their doctrines. I bet if we could just put those aside like we're going to do this afternoon... For a little while we could accomplish some great things for God because if it's it doesn't matter whether you speak in tongues or not it doesn't matter whether I don't know I, that's the only one I can think of right on hand. but anyways there's doctrinal differences in our our congregations of this city but if we could put those things aside we could do major damage to the kingdom of God and so I encourage us to do what we can to unite the body of Christ together. So next time somebody asks you, oh, another one is water baptism. Do you have to be water baptized in order to be saved? No. It's encouraged because that's what Jesus did. But you don't have to be water baptized in order to be saved. Because anytime anybody asks me that, that question, I'm going to take them right in the scripture where it talked about the man that hung on the cross with Jesus and that it says that he confessed Jesus and he told Jesus to remember him and he said tonight you will be with me in paradise in other words you're saved praise God so in other words we need to just put aside some of these doctrinal differences and work at unifying the body of Christ and so we need to live holy and righteous lives we need to repent when we've done wrong. We need to have an active prayer life, a, a consistent prayer life, a determined prayer life. We need to have uh, the other things that I mentioned this morning that I can't recall right offhand. But we need all those things. We need love. We need love to be the foundation of everything we do in Jesus' name. And we need to do what we can to minister to this city. I don't know if any of y'all remember our vision or not. Let me go ahead and give it to you. It's an acronym. It spells truth. T, the first T, is for touching the hearts of the 
R is for reaching the spiritually lost. U is for uniting the body of Christ. The other T is for training servants for Jesus. And H is for healing the sick. That's what our church stands for. And so we're going to do that this year. We're going to do everything we can to reach out to this community and let them know that we love them, we care about them, we want to see them birthed into the kingdom of God. And whether they come to our church or some other church, we're going to pray God's blessings on them. Amen? We need to understand that God will grow this church in his time. Let me finish by saying this illustration here. There was a uh, scene in this movie called Facing the Giants. Anybody ever seen Facing the Giants? It's a good movie. It's, spirit, it's sports based. Well, faith based, but I mean it's about sports that lead into walking with the Lord. Anyways, there's this one part in there where this guy that had been praying over the lockers of the school for many, many years, he comes into the coach's office and he says, the Lord told me to tell you this today. And he said, you have an open door here. And as long as you're, you've got that door open, you're to stay here and bloom for your planet. Anyway, he says, I just felt led of the Lord to tell you that. So he walks out. About two seconds later, the coach gets up and follows him out and says, you really, Mr. Brooks, you really believe God told you to tell me that? He said, I do. He said, well, I will admit, I've been struggling. He said, but I just don't see God working here. And the, the guy said, well, I remember a story about two farmers who both desperately needed rain. He said one of the farmers prayed, and the other farmer prayed too, but one of the farmers ended up going out and preparing his fields to receive the rain. He said, which one do you think believed God was going to send the rain? And the coach said, well, the guy that prepared his fields to receive it. And he said, which one are you? He said, God will send the rain when it's time. You've got to be ready to I believe we're ready. But you know what? There may be some things still lacking in our church that needs to be taken care of before God will bring them in, bring in more people. But you know what? This church is going to grow. I, I know it with all my knowing. But this church is going to grow. We're going to see these chairs filled up. Little by little, maybe, but we're going to see it done. And I believe God's going to do it. He's the one who moves on people's hearts. We can only invite, but God gives the increase. Yeah. He's the one that will bring them in. So let's continue to gather together in his name and pray for that to happen. Believe for that to happen. Don't let the devil lift. There's a guy that I used to know. He was a former superintendent of South Texas. His name was Brother Granberry. He'd say, don't let the devil, devil lick the sweet off your candy. <laughs> and you know what? That's what we've got to do. We can't let the devil lick the sweet off our candy. Every time we gather in his name, we need to be in prayer. So on two, Sunday mornings at 9.45 to 10.15, we're having intercessory prayer. We're also having, having it on Tuesday evenings at 7.14.
So I know that God will bless this church if we'll gather together in his name and pray for those things to happen. So let's make a, a commitment to doing what God wants this church to do and trust him to bring the rain when he will. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word that has been presented today. God, I pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit has used this word to minister to people's hearts and lives. They've shown that we need to walk the straight and narrow pathway that leads into eternal life in Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you today, God, for your Holy Spirit's presence that's been in this place. Move in our hearts even now in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to ask right now, and those of you who are about Facebook Live, if, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? If you don't, let me see you raise your hand and I'll pray with you a prayer of salvation. Those of you that are here by Facebook Live, if you would, just pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that the Lord Jesus would come into my heart and into my life. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Cleanse me from all my unrighteousness and live your life in me and through me from this day on. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, thank you all for being here today. We love you. We appreciate you. Once again, if you're looking for a church home, we're located at 201 West Royce Boulevard. We're located right off of Esplanade on Royce Street, R-E-U-S-S. -S. Anyways, and we begin at 1040, 10.30 for morning worship, and then 6 o'clock on the evening service, and then Tuesday night at 7.14 service. So if you'd like to come and be a part of any or all of those things, you're more, more than welcome to do so. God bless you. We love you. We're, we're just...